turning Saturday and since I took over doing the podcast myself I kind of appointed Saturdays to do um, them and I'm a Capricorn so I'm like orderly like that but at the same time I'm a little rebellious so last week I did it during the day tonight it's late at night and um, (laughs) it's kind of I don't know I always like doing them late at night because I'm a late night person and I like the idea of us having a little bedtime talk and then finding something to cuddle and you know drifting off and that whole experience I love a bedtime story so it's like my chance to tell bedtime sonnets to the world (laughs) anyway um tonight I'm going to be talking about um the theme of tonight is poets not poetry but poets and how and the role that poets have played in my life and for sure that has been um I'm not a religious person. I don't um, believe in angels and demons per se, but I definitely have met some evil people in my life. And I have definitely met um, some angels in the form of poets. And I always felt like they've kind of shown up through my life in different places where um, maybe I was forgetting my path or not quite there yet or just not just when I really needed you know, to be pushed in a direction, even in my head. Um, I, you know, have these, um, (laughs) uh, people that, you know, come out like, um, you know, like fairy godparents or, or whatever, or, you know, some of them may be fairy god siblings (laughs) or something because they're not really old enough to be my parents, but they've, they've helped me and, um, and their words to me, an example as poets have, you know, shaped me as a, a human. And so I wanted to talk about some of them tonight because, and read some sonnets to you about some of them, of course, because um, the first I'm gonna, is, is a very old man that I'm gonna talk about with a sonnet that I wrote about recently called Texting with Shakespeare. And um, it's, you know, I've done many homages to Shakespeare because I write Shakespearean sonnets. That's what you guys listen to on here. And if you um, wanna read any of my books of them in different ways, they're at um, kristengarth.com. And, but I'll read you this one about, what I, I wrote this recently when I was like sitting on the side of the road on a tree stump and my neighbors are driving by and I know they think of me because I look young for my age, even though I'm like middle age, you know, I think a lot of them think of me like teenager in a way and because inside I'm a woman child and I am a teenager. But, um, so I wrote this one about what I was really doing which was, and they thought I was, that they thought I was doing, which was probably like, you know, texting or whatever, but actually I was writing a poem, and, and then I thought, well, I am kind of texting with Shakespeare, and anyway, on the side of a road, atop a stump, you seem cinched in by sunshine, while you are slumped over a cell phone screen, 
bare goosebumped decollete. You ignore the people, cars, you have something to say. Instrumental music, earbuds, because you cannot bear other people's words inside his gentle syllables there. Compose, expose the glare of sunbeams on touchscreens while your neighbors theorize you are texting, teen you seem. Maybe partially true, though your labor is real, because he gives you just 14 lines to opine, this ancient Englishman. You text with Shakespeare whenever you can. And um, I, I like poems about rituals, about writing, and for sure that's me with the, uh, music. I can't have any kind of lyrics in my head when I'm writing. So often I'll go on walks with my, um, I, I write a lot on my iPhone, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> modern like that, which is why people would think I'd be texting. And, um, you know, I just like the mobility and being able to take it like in the bath with me or um, <laughs> on a walk in the woods. And so um, with, you know, anyway, I like poems that talk about rituals. And, uh, and maybe um, I always like it when people online, you know, talk about their writing rituals. For me, it's coffee, <laughs> iPhones, um, <laughs> instrumental music, and um, in my little earbuds. <laughs> and that's some of the things I need. But I, I'm going to read you another poem that I wrote. And it this one is, um, I one I wrote a few um, Halloweens ago, and it, and. Uh, I was really lucky it was in Terse Journal, and they made a little film about it. And um, I think it might be on my website, but it should be if it's not. But um, it's called Poetry Demon, and I, I just thought it was so cool that they turned it into a little film. But it's really kind of about myself as a poet and, and kind of how poetry really can take over your life. And, you know, I, I might have the most messy house sometimes or... Um, you know, like other areas, like maybe I'm not exercising as much as I should, but I, you know, I will always be writing and there, you know, I guess this is a poem about that demon inside of you that forces, that takes you over and makes writing a priority like that and how maybe it's not all positive, I guess. Poetry demon. A poetry demon won't clean a house. It burrows in clutter, writing it out. Language is legion, words only espoused. Diabolism requires fingers devout. A poetry demon does not have friends. It listens to troubles, locating a pen. Seeks clarification, won't condescend. Emotions, details, it's ghoulish, God send. A poetry demon might get you read. Knows how to write its way into a head. It charts your cerebrum once it embeds. Conquers mass consciousness without bloodshed. When life's chaos, but words are refined. A poetry demon devoured your mind <laughs> yeah I mean because I definitely think um, writing has always been sort of this um, spirit 
inside of me that <laughs> it takes over importance of other things. I, I, as I've, I feel like um, when I first came back to writing after I had had a long delay of not doing it, it really overtook my life. Um, you know, to point where you know, at times I think too much, you know, and I had to learn to make boundaries, <laughs> you know, because it was just like publishing became this huge, you know, um, like any kind of occupation, I guess, that you love, you can make it more important at times than other things in your life that need value too, like, um, you know, people in your life and things like that. And so I think I've learned to get you know, be a little bit more well-rounded, but I'm still, like, for example, right now with the time change, I'm not doing my um, walking as much as I have been because it's just been hard for me. Like, you know, I've been doing a lot of work on my novel that is coming out, Crow Carriage, and that's all-consuming. It comes out next summer, but it's I still have a lot of writing of it to do, so, you know, it's it gets overwhelming at times, but... Um, I'm doing my best, and I do try, I am trying to be a, a more well-rounded person, though I'm still, that's, I'm a Cap, well-rounded Capricorn, I'll say that, where I work is still, you know, takes up the most space, you know, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, maybe it needs to be a little checked, but anyway. Um, I'm going to read another poem to you that I just wrote this week, and I'll tell you a little background about it first, because, um, and it's really kind of the inspiration of this whole podcast, is that there's been so many people um, since I started publishing, um, well, before I started publishing, this poem is going to be about people before I really started publishing, who kind of, um, you know, got in my head and pushed me in that direction, you know, push me on that path but it took a long time for me to get on that path and even once I did you know like when I first started publishing I met a lot of um resistance to um sonnet form places I would um want to send off to I would just get like a lot of pat responses like we don't read sonnets or just very dismissive and like that I don't get now like I honestly it's very rare now when if somebody will just say, I just don't like sonnets. I, I think there's been a renaissance of, you know, the sonnet. And I'm happy to be a tiny part of that. Um, but I feel like, you know, right, like I noticed it while in that time period where I started publishing to now, like that it's gotten a lot easier. And I'm sure it's gotten easier for me because to, you know, I'm a little bit known. And so, you know, I get some nicer treatment but I also get you know it I think people have a misconception like oh you know it's all easy once you have so many publications it's like you know it's the same for any writer like I get rejected all the time too and sometimes I think you know you can think it can work against you that you maybe don't have a big name and not, not that I have a big name. I would say I have a, a, you know, a medium, you know, like on Twitter name, but I, you know, but I think that it, um, that can work against you too, because you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, I think some people like on anything when you're first starting and you're the underdog there are people that like to help the underdog and then there are people who don't want to help an underdog and then when you're not an underdog anymore there are people who want to kind of 
you know, that are just neutral and, and want to publish good writing, but I think there are also people who like to, you know, every once in a while you get those people who like to, I think, play like little power games and remind you like, oh, well, you can, you know, I'm going to reject this person today. And it does happen. I mean, I, I don't think it's a majority at all. I think it's a minority and I'm really feel like most people in the publishing world are in it for the right reasons but there are certainly people who abuse power dynamics in all kinds of ways in our community and you know I've I was just in talking about this tonight online about a situation where you know it took a bunch of us to stand up to um someone who was bullying people in the you know poetry community I mean that happens I mean and you know, we, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about, you know, uh, you hear about it and then you think people, sometimes you get construed, people will construe what you're doing as being dramatic. And it's like, well, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of harm in bullying and, you know, I'll never feel bad about standing up with a group of people against a bully, you know, because, uh, you know, especially, a, a male bully versus a bunch of women you, you know I, I just think that you know we, we've come a long way um and everything but we still you know like I mean sexism and power dynamic those things are real and they you know definitely have victims today and I, I just you know, it makes me emotional to talk about it and you know <laughs> kind of got distracted from my good my good happy podcast but but I think you have to acknowledge I guess that's the bad side sometimes of the the poetry world is no different oh and I've got a poem called the poetry world coming up in a little bit but that world is no different than any world in that we have our good people (laughs) and we have our people that are there to use what like talent or um little power that they accrue to hurt people just like in any community and you know it's you know the more we talk about it and recognize that it makes it easier for people to say hey this is happening to me so I'm glad I'm a part of a group that did that and it helped other people talk and there were people that talked before me and that helped me talk and I don't think any of that is bad um I think we have to do our best to protect each other and you know to speak the truth about situations so Saying all that, I'm going to talk about some good experiences I had before I was ever published Called in this poem called Poets Always Are Saving My Life. Apparitions to listen to, burning alive in incestuous Florida humidity. The first poet touring I ever see wears overalls from a small town like me, elementary, second, Maya Angelou, whose giggle consumes debased college girl back of the room. One midsummer night, I will have to presume I am the luckiest creature to be right where I am, in front of an angel instead of under a man. Though three did penetrate me in his physical form, ghost haunts me to write in my midlife. These poets are always saving my life. <laughs> but um anyway, I I just um knowing about 
you know, in this poem, it's a lot about when I was in college. And if, you know, a lot of people, I've got many memoirs, something, you know, that I relate to Maya Angelou. But I, um, I have, you know, many books that I wrote poetic memoirs. And they go into the fact that I was, you know, went to a school, um, a religious school against my will and I had been abused in my family so when getting past all those things um I was finally back in my hometown going to a like normal what I would say a normal college secular college um where you know things were open to me and I was able you know it was just such a wide open experience and I started writing a lot and I got a scholarship in creative writing but uh, which I got sidetracked from my grad school in that because um I wanted to get more separate you know um from my relatives so that you know it wasn't a totally linear course you know there were some distractions there but um this was an experience where I got to go on a um you know, trip and hear my Angela read, which like now I can't even believe it happened, you know, like I just feel like one of the luckiest humans ever, but at the time even, and I wasn't fully, I always thought of myself as a writer, but I didn't, you know, ever think, oh, I'd have a podcast, for example, and be talking about this with all these people and, and that I'd have a, a website, a writer website. I didn't think of it as something that I'd have an audience, I guess, is what I'm saying. I, I, I kind of convinced myself that I could write in diaries and it would be for just me and it would be okay. And I don't think, you know, that was the case. I, I feel much more fulfilled having an audience, but at the time I wasn't ready to acknowledge that. But going to see her and see her perform her poetry and speak, I mean, you know, it absolutely made me feel so many things. You know, I felt lesser than in the sense that I didn't ever feel like I could ever perform my poetry, even though, you know, it wasn't, you know, my Angelou. But I, you know, but I felt very empowered as a person because I, you know, she is a person that has been through so much and was so like strong but at the same time so still you know delicate too and like uh that it giggled and you know it was just uh, you know it it made it feel like to me like a person who had been through a lot who was still preserved some of that delicateness could one survive and then two like thrive and 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 you know, speak before all these people. And that was something that was unlike fathomable to me to be able to do at that time. And now I haven't done it in public. I was, I had a, a um, engagement to do it before the pandemic hit. And, you know, I had a plane ticket paid by a college to go and give a workshop lecture. And that all got, um, you know, destroyed because of the pandemic, you know, and nobody can travel. But so I still have never read in front of people a lot. Like, I mean, I've done it online, but I've never done it, um, you know, live in person still. So we'll see if that ever happens. I don't know. I used to say for sure it's going to happen. And then this whole thing has changed so much, you know, of how I feel. But I'm going to read one last poem tonight. And it's a funny one that I kind of wrote about the whole social dynamics of the poetry world of poetry twitter and all the things that go on there and kind of looking at my um, self as like a character as if 
you know, um, these people were going to cast poetry Twitter for a reality show called The Poetry World, and they looked at Kristen Garth and said, you know, here's how, here's what she would bring to this show. And anyway, it's called Casting Psych Notes for The Poetry World. Real world misfit as much as she would be on TV. Decade too old for pigtails and Hello Kitty. Pen with whiskers, spree of rhyme. Expose her peep show, fairy tale, true crime. Her rhythms vintage, lyrics lewd. Provocative blush, nervous nude. Her art is Shakespearean striptease, meter, mood with naked allegories. Teenage heart, vivisected by poet, shrinks, still craves James Spader, pretty pink. Just need cast a Byron type, with charisma depraved, some Twitter hype. She'll misbehave. That past, her main stage crawl, prediction for half-hour twirl to self-destruction, the poetry world. <laughs> and I just had fun kind of making fun of myself and like my um, <laughs> maybe character weaknesses and maybe strengths <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a reality show. Um, but I, when I wrote this, I, there were several people that were like, oh my gosh, this is such a great idea for them to do a poetry <laughs> reality show. But, I mean, we definitely have some drama on poetry Twitter. And, you know, as I've said before, it's not all drama per se because some of it is really, you know, very harmful things that have happened that people have to, you know, you what one person calls drama is what somebody else is calling, um, you know, speaking out about violence or abuse you know and I, I think that's definitely you know should be encouraged you know you, you shouldn't feel like you can't do that or that what you're saying is being reduced to drama however there is some just drama too you know that where things just are nutty and people attack people for tweets that are they're just being silly and they and they you know over take it overboard um you know and you know, there's all kinds of personalities, and poets are very um, interesting people. But that's the one overarching thing I want to say about all of this is that, you know, I never had so many friends in my life as I had have developed since you know, um, become you know, becoming um, a publishing poet and having the internet and Twitter, which is where I mostly talk to people, um, because. I just, you know, I met people who care about the same things that I do, writing, you know, that, like, would understand a girl on a, you know, Friday night working on a poem and being excited about that and not out partying. That kind of, you know, we have our own um, set of, you know, unique interests that bind us, even though we have a lot of people with different um, beliefs and, and, you know, like any community and we have our bad actors and our angels, but this is, was a um, podcast dedicated to all of that. 
and thank you so much for listening. I'm really enjoying having, um, putting these up myself and, um, getting to see how many people are listening to them. Cause when I had it through another place, I never really knew who was listening and it's nice to see that I have like an audience and everything. You just don't know sometimes, you know, and that makes me feel happy. So I've, I just really love everybody in this chance to like just sit down and confess each week and kind of talk about some things that are on my mind and this one was out for the poets but next time who knows it will, what will be probably something a little more provocative because it's been a few weeks since I was provocative and and I miss that it's a muscle for me so um, <laughs> I'll probably have something like that but for now grab a stuffed animal. I found my stuffed unicorn from my house today that survived the hurricane. And so I'm going to go cuddle with him. Um, and the rest of you find something to cuddle with and wait for next week. And I will be back to whisper some sonnets to you on Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Kristen whispers sonnets.